Welcome to Fated, a podcast brought to you by Magella and Carly, two romanticy obsessed readers who believe that great books must include declarations of undying love and deep thrusts of desire. Diving into the spicy, smutty fantasy genre, we are here for both the rattling of stars and headboards, and our podcast starts with the worlds of SJM, but delves into other realms. Did we mention that washboard abs and wands of all kinds are welcome in this inclusive and magically charged space? No topic is off limits, and no one is forced to have only one favorite heroine. Welcome to Fated, where we are unabashedly and wholeheartedly hot and heavy for spicy fantasy fiction. It's time to sit down and smut up. Morning. Spoilers ahead. All right. Hello and welcome to episode six of Fated, the podcast. I'm Carly. And I'm Magella. And today we have decided to dive deep into Assassin's Blade because it is a book by Sarah J. Mass that's part of the Throne of Glass series, which Carly and I read in different orders and um but we've both read it very recently um I read it after completing the entire series because I was avoiding any spoilers on TikTok about what was happening and so I didn't see people discussing what order to read the books in and so for me it I just sort of read it through and it almost was a book that I thought was uh, uh like a side tangent or a novella or something um and we will discuss what order we think now after both reading it what order we think we should read it in Uh, but we want to talk about what happened because it it has as do almost all of sjm's books but it has left a little bit of a shockwave um kind of reverberating in its wake and i think this episode is mostly for Carly and I as a form of therapy to get us through what has happened. So I want to be very clear and say there are spoilers. We we are talking about this in depth. It will be the only book in the series that we talk about in depth. Uh, so we won't be jumping ahead to the rest of Throne of Glass because Carly hasn't finished that yet. But in this particular book, we will be talking about what happens in detail. So if you haven't read it yet, if it's on your to-be-read list, this probably is an episode you need to come back to because you don't want to, you don't want to spoil it. Like, I think it makes it, and I'll explain why it makes it worse if you know. Um, So yeah, Carly, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a big one, a big one. We need to go there, but we first need to ask what we're reading now. What are you reading now, Madge, or have most recently read? Maybe you're in a reading. Form. Well, I did just read Iron Flame and I am still in recovery. So I have picked up um, a book that you recommended very strongly, um, a two-part series by Carissa Broadbent, the first one being A Serpent and the Wings of Night, which apparently is about vampires, and you devoured it very quickly, loved it, still rave about it. Yep you know yeah i'm um, so excited even though you read it yes and i am ready for a new world of characters i think because it's i just i'm waiting for everyone now i'm waiting for the next akatar book i'm waiting for the next crescent city book Uh, i'm just in and then now i'm waiting for the next installment of the iron flame i'm just in perpetual waiting carly and i don't know if this is good for my mental health. Well, I think you, what are you reading? Definitely a con of the, of being obsessed with fantasy romance is, is, is the waiting. 
Um, I'm so excited to get your messages about the Nyaxia series by Carissa Broadbent. Yes, I devoured that. And I think it'll be great for you. It's just, it's a two books series and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be good for you. Uh, so I last night finished the Assassin's Blade uh, and I, so I want to talk a little bit about that. So like reading order. So I had, we're talking about the Throne of Glass series and we are, I, we just, we just, I need, I need all the gates to be open. I need to be able to just talk without worrying about spoilers. So I'm glad you said that. So I had read Throne of Glass. I had got 150 pages into Crown of Midnight because I had been told that I should read the Assassin's Blade third in the series of what is it eight books so i'd seen people talk about that and there is apparently like a tandem read you can do and there's all these different orders that people are suggesting online of how you read the throne of glass series i went okay i'm going to read it in i'm going to read it third but i got halfway through crown of midnight the second ish book and i thought no i want to understand Selena, this I felt that there was stuff. There was stuff about her, her character, what she'd been through, what she'd endured, that I wanted to understand before I proceeded any further into the series. So I literally put Crown of Midnight down at 150 pages, went to the Assassin's Blade. I also did that because Magic just recently read it too. I thought, oh my God, that'd be so, so fresh for us to talk about on the potty. And so I finished it last night. I am grieving and also excited to read the rest of the series i have so much more understanding about this character now because i'll be honest in throne of glass yeah like it was okay i didn't really fully connect with selena it was okay mm -hmm. i got through it and people mm -hmm. said oh it gets better as you go on in the series so just get through it crown of midnight i'm just getting i was just getting through it but i can tell you if i had actually read assassin's blade first and I'm going, to, I'm going to encourage people to do that, to read it first, which is how the series is meant to like run story-wise. I probably would have enjoyed Throne of Glass a lot more. That's what I'm going to say. That's my opinion. The Assassin's Blade is the prequel. It's, it's a series of novellas. So within the Assassin's Blade, there's a few stories uh, that really give, gave me so much more depth to the characters and also answered some questions about Sam Cortland that that Selena kept alluding to and I just thought was, oh, like a little, maybe a little fling or a little, a tiny love story. But it, no, it was so, it was so much more than that. And so let's talk, let's talk about it. So that's what I've read last night. Now I'm going to go back to Crown of Midnight to answer your question. That's what I'm going to be reading. Um, Crown of Midnight, I'm going to go back and finish. So let's talk. Let's talk about the Assassin's Blade. Do you okay, want to right. start with your feelings, thoughts, <sighs> emotions? I'm just going to add on to your reading order so we can kind of close yes. that little topic off um, because I read it last, um, as I mentioned, and I, I do think it was the worst way to read it uh, I didn't know any better and that's yeah. just how it went but um throughout the entire series she talked oh my god I'm gonna cry like oh, honey <laughs> all emotions are welcome here <laughs> she talked about Sam. <laughs> oh my god yeah and that's what this book oh. did was yeah. that Oh, Madge, she can't. I'll just give her a moment. Yeah, 
this was this was such an important relationship for Selena. Like the probably yeah, the foundational love story, her first love story, she was 17. Um <laughs> Madge pulls herself. <laughs> it's just so I think because needed this story throughout the whole series we need that selena talks about sam and the impact it has had and he was with her mm. in spirit mm-hmm. in some pivotal moments yeah right and yeah. i don't think like you know how much he means to her by how he's depicted in throughout the series yeah but so maybe it's a good thing because if I'd known how much she <laughs> yeah, loved him yeah. and how good he was, yeah, so good. Then maybe it would have been worse because it's uh, it is that the kind of the one that got away and not just because of you know bad timing or that it you know it just it wasn't kind of you know they weren't both fully in. It was literally like a horrific ending like a terrible you know because I think in these worlds it's it's unusual for they're not we know that there's going to be a happy ending like in all of these books it's part of the romanticy requirement yeah people do die yeah but never the the main love story characters you know there is always this happy ending even if they are carrying so much fucking trauma and PTSD by the end of it. They still have their person and they're still, you know, there's there's an ending that gives you a sense of peace. Whereas with Sam, there is no peace because he should not have died. And also the way he was betrayed is just like, I think that I just would have read the rest of the series as well with just like so much rage mm. at um mm-hmm. Aberin, Arabin, yeah, yeah, yeah. that Arabin that I just would have been like it. It just yeah. would have been almost um, like hard to tolerate because it is such like it is so unnecessary and the motivations for doing it by him by Aberin. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't like so petty. So yes, like so it is just. Like that line itself is so cold and devoid of like the the beautiful heart that mm. the characters you love have. You know, mm. he is so, and he is the king of assassins He's for a reason. King. Like that is why he rules, you know, but it's like it also makes other things further on just like, you know, a little – Anyway, it's hydrant. just it, it, it just was like <laughs> I love it. I, love I think yeah. I think reading it first was would have been the best way because I think okay. that it also did get quite um, it drew you in quite quickly. I think what happens often with SJM books, and I think this is quite a universal thing, is that. They are slow starters, not a slow burn. They're literally slow starters. Like a lot of the books, the very first book in all of her series can be quite slow. Even like the first part of each book, like every time you start a new book, it's like you have to sort of like, it's almost like your engine has to like slowly warm up 
back into the SJM world. And I've noticed just coming off the back of Iron Flame, I don't have that with Iron Flame. I am like first sentence I'm in. Like there's a different type of, um, yeah, the energetic, like the it's a crackling with Rebecca Yaros. It's a real like, I'm straight in there. And I don't know if that's just because of the way she writes or because Mm -hmm. of the fact that it is, a smaller world it is a smaller world there is it is quite pivotal to the one main love story in a way whereas sjm is crossing there is multiple characters there's multiple lands there's you know plot points and side plots and all this kind of stuff so it does build a bit slowly and so i did find though that assassin's blade was one of her only books that i found like i was into it quite quickly like I was just like Whew, okay this is happening you think that's um, because so she wrote that last I'm assuming she wrote that last like after she'd written the other eight because it was then she wrote this as the prequel maybe but yes I agree straight in straight in to these beautiful yeah. stories it didn't feel like a novella to me it really didn't it felt like a really rounded um novel uh, but I also want to say, I want to pull out what you said around, um, yeah, the, this main, one of the main characters. So Sam Cortland, Selena's first true love, he does. He dies a very tragic, gruesome, horrific, torturous death. So awful. Tears streaming down my face. Couldn't catch my breath. Had to put the book down and stare at the ceiling for a little moment, kind of ending. And you said, you know, that usually they don't die, our main characters, but obviously this needed to happen. He needed, like, for the for the story, for her journey, he needed to die. And one of the points that I wrote down or pondered as well was, you know, in his death, it their love remained really pure and true. And so I haven't read the whole series like you have, but I wonder if, like, that... That, that just, as awful as it was, as I feel like I've lost a beautiful person in my real life today, uh, I can see that, yeah, it, it kind of then just got stopped in time, captured in time. But now Sam is, is just always going to be a pure good luck because they didn't even have sex. They didn't even make love. Mm. So... It, yeah, I guess now her imagination, I'm assuming her imagination can kind of take it where it would have gone or she could have imagined what it was like. Um, there's an element of that in, in, in that for me too. Like, oh, just, yeah, now, now he remains really pure in her heart and really good because the thing was, right, like the, the amount of betrayal that Selena endured in the Assassin's Blade from her friend, so-called friend, evil cow Ansel, not evil, but she had her own shit going on, obviously. Um, Like that was huge. And then to be betrayed, not once, not twice, but many, many, many times by Arabin, who is, was really a father figure to her and trained her, but ultimately just continued to turn on her. And, you know, he beat her, sent her to the desert, made her, you know, show her, commitment to him over and over and then obviously the ultimate betrayal by setting up Sam to die 
But the level of betrayal for me, I'm like, how does anyone endure that at the age of 17? And then how does anyone ever go on to trust again? And so my question in my head is like, does she ever trust again? Does she fall in love again? Does she, who does she trust again? So um, I'm sure that'll come up in, in books, but how do you feel about that? Like the, con- like the betrayal just felt like a constant, oh my God, who can you trust in this world? Well, I think that by reading it last, the betrayal actually felt normal. There is okay. the amount that oh, Lena endures throughout the se- Like, it is insane. Like, she is my favourite character. I mean, I love the Akatar world. I I think Reese is my favourite male character, just in terms of, like, his kind of complexity and layers and the fact that he is kind of, he brings that cheeky banter and that's his sort of appeal um but he's you know got a huge heart and and will do anything for the people he loves whereas and i i do really love Faye as well but selena um is just different she's just what she goes through like assassin's blade is intense but i think it is like (laughs) you can tell you can tell when i'm losing it when i start saying like all the time like it's just like um (laughs) By the time you get to the end, the fabric of your cellular being will have changed. Okay. It is just the, so I think the betrayal feels normal because Aberyn is, is, he goes through the story. So that is a big thread um, of, like he is there. Um, Go away, Aberyn. Yeah. Um, I mean, you do need a villain, but the problem is that, like, he is also a villain that, mm. again, in his weird way, um, he does love her. But it's just that, like, it is not, it's not and never has been a love that is healthy. No. And she talks about it in here about how he is a father, a mentor, you know, a, a potential lover energy, even though he never sort of acts on that but there is that kind of there's that energy or that insinuation in moments where you know but because he found her um when she was and I am really cautious about saying certain things here because you do you find out the entire backstory obviously of Selena and how she came to be where she is and 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 so I just really want to be mindful of um not saying anything for you Um, what we learn in Assassin's Blade is that he found her on the riverbank when she was young. Yes. Men trained her. Yep. Took her in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. And there is like, I think the only thing I, I think that feels a little soothing about the, the ending of this is that <clears throat> it does feel fated to happen because of other things that must happen for her to become the woman she is mm-hmm. destined to be. Yeah. Um, and I do think that if she had ended up with Sam, she would have had probably a really beautiful, normal life. She might have thought that part of her that and, – and they might have done certain things in a small way to change what was happening in the world, but I don't think that she could have become what she needed to become – with Sam by her side 
because of various reasons that okay. you will find out. Um, okay. There is a small comfort in that, in that um, I think as well, even it, it's just the way he ended that made it so bad. You know what I mean? Like if he had just oh. been killed with a, a single stab wound or shot or something, it no. would have been like, ah, oh, that sucks. And he was a good guy. But the fact that he was a good guy and that he had to have this awful ending and also that she tried to respect yes. that he could handle himself oh to gosh. not be like, oh, my God, I'm going to come and rescue you. And I know something's wrong, but, you know, and also learning to listen to that intuition of like, is this intuition, is this fear, is this me trying to like, like prove that like mm. he needs me to rescue, mm. like, you know, that I'm better than him. And she's like an out of respect for him and his skills. I don't want to go in there assuming that he can't handle himself, which made it worse because she yeah. had all these hours where potentially she could have attempted a rescue, Yes, you know, she Six could have attempted to save him. Six hours of torture. Yes. And, oh, you know, but. won that chapter. So um, can we go back, like back to the start of the Assassin's Blade just a little, because, you know, it starts with the Assassin and the Pirate Lord. And, you know, the first few chapters, I was just like, oh, Selena, you are so selfish and self-absorbed, so bloody egotistical. And I didn't, you know, there's this element of disliking her, like, who the hell do you think you are? But then I remembered also that she's only like 17 and that's pretty age appropriate for 17 year olds, right? So self-absorbed, gonna just think that they're, you know, the bee's knees. and whilst she has this life experience in that she's been trained to be one of the best assassins in the world, uh, she's killed people, she's maimed people, she's tortured people, she's still 17 and there's so much life experience that she actually doesn't have. But then we start to see when she um, creates the plan to free the slaves, we start to see the compassionate side of her. Whereas before that I was like, oh, you're just cold and you know shut down and heartless and up yourself was like, oh, hang on, there is a there is something there, there's compassion. Um, and that, I think, was clever because it gave me a side of her character that I could cheer for, um, that I was like, okay, I want to see that side of you develop. There's something there that's going to develop. And, of course, we see that over the course of the book and I'm going to assume throughout the series of, yeah, fighting for the underdog and, and a big heart underneath what she's been really trained to be. So did you have that initial reaction to Selena of like, oh, you're dislikable? <laughs> I had it a little bit as well in Throne of Glass. I was like, why are you so bloody, you know, shut off and shut down and, and so rude? But now I kind of get it. I get it. She'd literally just been betrayed by everyone in her life and lost the love of her life at that point. But was your what was your initial reaction to Selena? Because this is the first book. It is. It is really hard to remember okay. what my initial response was because after reading such an epically complex yeah, okay. series yeah, where sure. the layers and the layers. I don't ever remember though thinking um I think once I knew that she was the main characters and like once I was kind of like oh yeah she's pivotal I was like she will be good like the, I guess it's that assumption going in because of the genre because of like this character is my is going to be my heroine. She's going to be 
the the person that I walk behind throughout this journey, she will be good mm-hmm. there. And I don't know, I'm sure there are books where that belief will end up causing me pain because I'm sure there will be authors who are like, you think this is the main character, but actually yeah. just going to do a switcheroo and it's a villain or it's something and yes. they're just going to betray someone and then it's, you know, but that hasn't happened yet. And so I think that um, because I, A, wasn't that invested in her yet and I, B, I had an assumption that she was going to be good, there was this, I guess, this, this tolerance to the rough edges. And I also think just from knowing psychology and knowing people, when people are that prickly, they're usually the softest inside. Like those people are usually the ones where you're just like, oh, you're a gooey mess and you can't be that in the real world because otherwise you will Mm. be killed. Mm -hmm. You will be broken. Mm -hmm. And so I think I read like that. Like I read with those kind of filters on where I think about like why people are reacting in that way you know what kind of what has happened to cause this why she's alone you know like she's broken um and i think that's what the assassin gave me so much more context for that because in throne of glass i was like why why are you like this i've heard about endovia but what else has happened to you to be so rude to dorian and and kale right so i think yeah this definitely filled in a lot of the gaps yeah. But even isn't it in Throne of Glass, though, that is where, because um, now that's the very first one I read, that is where she's in the salt mines. So she's re- she she's retrieved, uh, yeah, she's retrieved from there by Kale and Dorian, Dorian to, yeah. to go to the king yes. to fight. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you they've, talk, they've talked about how she almost escaped. She was, like, one yes. of the only slaves. She made it to the fence line and... Um, but she was, and oh, is that going to be a spoiler <laughs> for book? No, book. no, as in like, the, and then no. she took, but she I, did, you know, there's a, a woman did. there that she tries to save. Does that get talked about in front of class? Yeah. yeah, there's definitely elements of like, there's some good here. Like there is yeah. some softness here. I be, yeah, it's interesting. I often think, well, shouldn't I feel that way a little bit about Arabin? But no, I just hate him. And I don't think there's any good in him. <laughs> there is good in him because he does love her and he's stupid, traumatic, abusive way. Um, but, yeah, anyway, that was how I began with the pirate lord. She's freeing the slaves. And, you know, she didn't like Sam at the start at all. He was competition. Um, and so they were very, very prickly with each other at the start as well. And then they get sent um, on this mission to Skulls Bay to get the slave trade set up. And that's where they, things start to spark up a little bit. You know, there's some, there's some sparking of like, oh, hang on, you may be an all right guy. And then, you know, just that, that whole like freeing the slaves together, he, he nearly died you know, they, they turned together against Arabin, like that, that whole, I loved that story. I actually want to, I could actually go read that first part of that novella again, but that's where we saw that. And that's where it's okay. There's some softening here. There's some melting, melting of the heart a little bit, but still she would cling to like really just sticking it to him and saying some awful things to him. That was a big theme. I was like the shit he put up with from her and he still, he still loved her. Some of the stuff she's But saying. I guess also you 
you understand like she's not had any good role models like no. she hasn't seen any healthy modeling of a relationship she has seen Aberin with prostitutes and and mm-hmm. you know cool girls where he buys affection and even then it's like a massive power dynamic you know she's probably surrounded by these assassins who I would assume also wouldn't have healthy relationships they would probably just go out and fuck women in between their killing assignments you know so there is this aspect of obviously she has such kind of strong walls of protection up and sam has done the same thing because he is also good underneath so he would have had to put up very similar walls um look i'm even surprised that they both could bring down their walls enough to trust each other after you know the way they have been raised yes because Arabin pitted them against each other, right? And they were both taught that everyone is a threat and to, tr- and to trust no one except him. Uh, but I still felt like Sam had a lot more, um, well, obviously he realised, like she says at the end, she really didn't realise any feelings for him until Skulls Bay. But Sam had obviously loved her for a lot longer. Um, but, yeah, he was much nicer to her than she was to him in those first, I don't know, like 250 pages. I know, but I think it's also, it seems to be as you get to know Selena more that she is um, like, there's lots of little things that she does that belie the kind of person she is. Like, you know, she'll often secretly hand out money to the homeless as she walks past or she'll protect someone that, you know, is, weakened um so there's all these little signs all the time and i think if you were around if you were living in an assassin's house and you watched someone and you saw that you didn't know that they saw but if you had seen her sneak off and buy the homeless loaves of bread or something or if you had seen her leave money in certain places or if you'd seen her walk down a street knowing that that's when a girl would come out of the and to protect her as she walked down a laneway, you would start to be like, interesting. And also the fact that, you know, you've written about it here, but her love of music, I feel like it's just, I love that it's, it's a beautiful window into like how, I guess, soft and poetic and um, yeah. yearning for the beauty and softness of life. That's what she wants. That's what the connection to music allows her to tap into that part of herself, I think, that she really locks away to be able to kill on yep. demand and to stay alive and to tap yeah. into that bravado of, like, bravado. I'm better than everyone else and no one can kill me and I will take anyone down and yeah. I am smart and brave and, you know, and this music allows her to tap into this the world of longing and yearning and potential and what could be and how other people might live and love. Yes. And, you know, I think that a real um a kind of moment where if you hadn't already you start to think i wow like she she is really not being herself (laughs) yeah you know like she's really locked up yeah i'm so excited to see this journey of her unlocking and the walls maybe coming down and her discovering who she is and but yes right now like in the assassin's blade she's in survival mode and clinging to what she does know and clinging to what she does best because what else got to cling to and we we do see that as you said her helping side so the the second 
part of the novella is the assassin and the healer and how she connects um, with, I pronounce it Irene, Y-R-E-N-E, <laughs> Irene, um, in the tavern who's actually a healer with, you know, an, an incredible story. That's another, like, the great thing about SJM is like, oh, that could, her story could be a complete series or at least a standalone book as well. Um, but we see her giving her the money to go and go to college and become the healer that she you know, needs to be to get out of this disgusting tavern. And I really loved that story. I loved them all. Um, but that was, you know, on the way to the <laughs> desert because she'd been banished to the desert for ruining Arabin's uh, plans for the slave trade. So banished to the desert. And this is actually just to, t to also comment on the music. So yeah, page 259, I loved the scene where she got lost in the music at the um, symphony at the orchestra. And this, this little quote, she, it says the silence was the, so after the music crescendoed and finished, there was silence. The silence was the worst thing she had ever heard. The silence brought back everything around her. Just to me, I was like, oh, I can just picture her being completely immersed and completely lost in that. Even though she was actually there to spy on Donovelle and she had a mission to accomplish, she she completely forgot that in that world of music. And then, of course, that links to when Sam brought her the scene to gain access to the sheet music for that symphony and left it for her as a present. I mean, how divine. How divine was he to have done that um yes it let's talk about gesture. the desert the assassin in the desert so this part is when she's in the desert i really what i really pulled out of this was the contrast between the mute master in the desert and arabin hamel and how differently they trained treated cared for their assassins what did you think about that contrast well, I also, I love, I mean, I think that it was interesting that he sent her there as punishment and mm. it was, it was the opposite. It was a, um, a, a gift, a gift to learn those skills just on a very base level from assassin's point of view, like being given the gift of learning how to move like a, like an asp, like a snake, like the, like the shadows of the night. What an incredible gift, but also, um, her being able to witness a powerful leader who is almost the opposite in in almost every way to her current leader and to see the the ways in which he trains the ways in which the the people around him live and work and interact with each other um the you know the sort of lack of fear that drives people and more the desire to be respected by the master to be like oh my god please pick me so that I can be honored to learn from you not to please pick me so that I don't die you know and I know that you aren't going to kill me in my sleep yeah. you know um yeah and which is why I think the the when the betrayal happens um by Ansel you do feel even more gutted because it is kind of her first female friend. She mm. is, she seems like a really a similar energy to Selena. She's wild and reckless and she's had a hard upbringing and, but she also has this unbridled joy in her when she is allowed to be free. Um, 
but again, it's, it is, it's really interesting reading it in this order because knowing the whole story, it really colors every moment in a book that is set before what has already happened, um, knowing what happens to character stories and, and knowing, um, knowing like if I had known what had happened, it would have also made something further on, like it would have had a deeper impact because you would have already had that moment being like, Oh, I understand. So I do understand like the betrayal was awful, but I also understand, you know, once, sort of Ansel's backstory had been expressed you really understood why she was doing it like that was she had chosen that path because that made the most sense to her and also probably felt like the most Mm. satisfying retribution to to balance this like heartbreaking loss that she had suffered and seen and was obviously not healed from um and even with you know she sent Selena off she didn't want Selena there so there's still an element of trying to protect this friendship as, as fake as it maybe potentially was. I don't think all of it was, but like, and I, again, this is what Sarah J does so, so well is showing the complexity of, of the human experience and the decisions that you make and you can understand Ansel, even though you want to harm Ansel. <laughs> And you want to shake her and go, what, what are you doing? And um, I'm assuming you don't have to acknowledge this at all, but I'm assuming Ansel comes back at some point because she, she let her go and she didn't kill her. She shot the arrow at the horse at the 21 minute mark. She gave her 20 minutes to get away. She still hesitated. It didn't hurt Ansel. And so Ansel's got away and I'm like, where are you going to come back? What's going to happen there? As I think the same with Irene, the healer in the tavern, I'm like, where will you Will you come back later and at some point heal and save Selena? I love your poker face, Madge. It's very, very good. Um. <laughs> it's a terrible poker face, you know, but um, you've done. Really I well. do want to say all you need to know is that one of the most um, powerful things about this series is the um, the the ability that Selena has to draw incredible women towards her on her mission. Yeah. Like I can already see that. I can already see how she's like, yeah, almost, almost. Yeah. I can see these characters coming back and being somewhat grateful to her and wanting to help and serve her at some point in the future. Wanting to, yeah, that's all I'm going to, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. She has this, um, it's like a, a thing that she can't seem to stop. She has this streak of um, mercy. mercy. It's, it's yeah. just where she and, it, and it's and it's you know obviously she's had a hard life and she doesn't want. She's almost like she wants to take other people's suffering away. Like I don't want you to suffer this, but people don't have to have that. She could have had her life and then you know it could have solidified into like a very you know, lethal form of hatred, which she has definitely a stream of rage running through her that becomes quite targeted at points towards people and and situations. But underneath all of that is always this seed of softness, this, this, um, this instinctual, like, you know, when you hit your knee, your knee will jerk. It's like she has this knee jerk reaction to 
she must be merciful. Um, it's yeah. like her nature. That's what comes out, which is why you want her, you know, you're rooting for her, but you know, it's also, um, it is also something that she really struggles with because it means that she doesn't make the easy choice. You know, she doesn't kill that person that would have eliminated that problem permanently. She's like, oh, the merciful choice is to let that person live because potentially they will have redemption. They will learn from this. They will become a better person. And many times that does not happen. You know, many times you're just like, you should have fucking killed that person. Yeah. Like you definitely should have. Like as the reader, you're like, why? I was like, why just do it. Finish it. Finish it. And then I was like, what do you mean you're not finishing this? And I wonder if Arabin, you know, really saw that in her. Like, you know, you you actually do have too much mercy, softness, whatever. You're not gonna actually be the merciless merciless killer. Is that the word? <laughs> that I want you to be. I don't know. Um, and I mean, at the end of the book now, he's got Farron, hasn't he? So I don't know. Farron has no. Oh my gosh. Um, let's talk about the love story. Let's talk about the love story. Let's talk about your favorite bits. <laughs> I'm really not okay. So Sam is dead. Sam Cortland, who a couple of days ago, I really had no connection to. And then like, he was just beautiful. I think you said you think he was about 21. So a few years older than Selena. Um, but for me, this just felt like that first love, like that adolescent, um, pure, as I keep, I keep using the word pure, but that's what it felt. It felt pure. It felt true. Um, even though there were moments where I think Sarah tried to throw us off and maybe, you know, not trust him. Is he working with Arabin? Like, does he want to be the best assassin? Blah, blah. Uh, no, he pulls through as being true and honest and he just kept wanting to get them away to a safe space. And I love this line, like um, after Selena returns from the Red Desert and she's wondering what Sam endured because she thinks that maybe Arabin firstly killed him and then she saw him, he's okay, but what did he do to him? And, you know, he looks at her when he's really frustrated with her because she keeps bloody not understanding that he's in love with her. Um but he says, he sent you to the Red Desert. He sent you to the Red Desert for her punishment. But my punishment was having to watch him beat you that night. Like beyond his own beating, beyond his own torture, beyond all the things that happened to him, that was worse punishment, seeing her being beaten to, well, she was unconscious and then sent away. That's page 262 if you want to go relive that moment. Um, so even when he was beaten so cruelly, like that was worse. Like that's love, right? That's love. Yeah. Well, I think it's with anything where you don't want to watch anyone you love in any kind of pain, emotional, physical, financial, yeah. spiritual, yeah. you know, watching someone else in pain is worse for sure. Um, especially I think as a man where you have that protector element, you know, sorry, I'm going very stereotypical here, but you know, if there's this, if there is that protective element in a man to watch then the woman that you love not be able to protect her. Yeah, I think that would be, that would be awful. Yeah. Physically restrained and yelling, I will kill you to Arabin while she was being beaten. And that's, you know, that's what she can remember him screaming. Yeah. It would be awful. <laughs> it would be awful. 
This is an awful book. This is an awful, awful heart-wrenching. Yeah. You know, there is no, I I got no happy. There is no, like, relief. There is, I mean, there is relief in the, the, you know, know, there is relief coming. I mean, sorry, the story continues. It doesn't just end this. That was the only relief I had last night was like, okay, her story continues and I'm going to, Assume there's going to be other love for her in the future. It's okay, Carly. This is not the end. But if this had been a standalone, I'd be like, I hate this author and I'm never reading yes. it ever again. Exactly. Why would we, like, that is just like reading the news. Like the this is like awful things that we cannot seem to change in yep. our limited capacity to impact things, you know. Like we can't go into this book and say, don't go there. Oh my God, it's so obviously a trap. You have to stay together. Why would you not go as a team? Like there are two of you. You've also like targeted the most lethal torturer in the city for like, he is known. Mm. They are the leaders of the, you know, mm. kind of competition that, you know, they rule because there there is no one worse than them. You know, yeah. they're, the mafia. it just feels like they didn't, and they didn't look, you know, I think they, both of them being too good intrinsically could not fathom that they would be betrayed, even though they knew that Aberin was mm. not a good person and, and he would do anything to get ahead. They both viewed themselves as assets to that. And I guess even though they were leaving, that he had had them as assets for so long that he, he had got so much out of them and they were also not leaving to take anything with them or destroy his empire it would have no impact on him he would train more assassins you know and it was such a petty well i mean jealous he said addictive like you know they obviously brought in a lot of money but they paid like he got their wealth as well he got sam's wealth he got her wealth and then sam dies and she's shipped off to the salt mines he got he at this point in the story he got everything the bastard um But back to Sam, back to Sam. I love that, you know, he always could see through her bravado. He could see through the BS. He could see through the walls and still love her. Like, you know, little lines like, um, you know, she'd say, well, do you want me to apologise? And he'd be like, do I ever expect you to apologise for anything? And then he'd laugh or smile and walk off. Um, He could see through and he saved her. He saved, I mean, she saved him too, but he saved her. Like the, the scene in the sewer, ugh gross like that just made me absolutely sick to my stomach the way sjm describes the rising sewer water uh like he saved her there with the help of someone with a crowbar that magically appeared on the street i mean hello fantasy world but he saved her so many times and i wonder in future books whether his spirit his energy that love will pull her through as well i don't know i'm just foreshadowing a little bit there um, another great line I loved, I'm really into pulling out lines now that you've got me into lines. Uh, yeah, and I'm just like looking away being like, I know nothing about what's happening ahead. Actually, I'm going to say that till the end, that line. That, that'll be our line for the episode. Um, okay. What else? What else? You know what I thought was the most loving moment in the book for me? Yeah. Was when we found out that she put the spider silk in his suit. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. So yes. So spider silk, super rare, super strong. She got a piece of it. I can't even remember how she made, did that now. But anyway, she got a piece and she had it sewn into his assassin suit over his heart. And it saved him. He had an arrow. Yeah. Are you crying again? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was pretty special. Um, and, yeah, I love that she just did that. She just made that happen. No big song or dance, just that's that's what she did. Yeah, he got her the sheet music, saved her life in the sewer, and she put the spider silk in his suit. Um yeah, and I just love like he's he he could have left. He could have left before she returned from the desert. He stayed, and he says that on page three hundred and ten. Like I couldn't leave until I saw that you had returned and that you were safe and that you were okay. Like he was okay with staying and enduring all the crap that Arabin put him through, and and um, and even like if she he said if if you'd come back and you were okay and you didn't love me or didn't want me, I would have being okay leaving because you were still alive and you were okay even if she'd pick Arabin right and then oh my god page 32 300 sorry page 312 getting all excited and flustered can you tell that this is really fresh um like he says you I think I you would pick Arabin over me and she said you're a damned idiot you're a moron and an ass and a damned idiot he looked like she had hit him but she went on and grasped both sides of his face because I'd pick you and then she kissed him. And that was their first kiss. That was her first kiss. She'd never kissed anyone before. I mean, don't we all want that to be our first kiss ever? That's right. And she did it. I mean, she didn't wait for someone to kiss her. You know, she was like, I'm just going in, which is very indicative of of the kind of person. She is very impulsive. She does that often. But I love you. And yeah, I, that's right. I will thank you. I love you, you know. Um, yeah. So if you want to jump straight into the spiciest a, scene, and look, this book isn't that spicy, is it? It's very no, it's tame, but still has enough to go, oh, like it. And that's why I, keep, I guess I think it's quite, they're not innocent humans, but this love feels very innocent to me. Um, that first kiss, the first brush of his tongue against hers, full of lightning. She thought she might die from the rush of it. She wanted more. She wanted all of him. And they literally just make out that night. They just make out. And I just love yeah. the of that too. Yeah. And he wanted, he would go to her pace and it was very like exactly the kind of first boyfriend you would want, you know, someone yeah. who would listen to you and not make you feel rushed and not make you feel that if you didn't want to go further or do something that, you know, that made you, I don't know, inexperienced or immature or, you know, less desirable. He was kind of like, whatever you want to share with me is enough, is perfect, is I'll take it all yeah. or, I'll, or I'll just hold your hand. But then they never got to take it anywhere. <laughs> then, then, they, then it all happened with Donovel and the mission and the, the betrayal and the awfulness and then he was gone and it was just like what and the worst thing is that Aberin played like made the plan around selena's mercy like knowing that she would want to save slaves and knowing that she would Hmm. take a job where she could make an impact in a 
in a positive way help people yeah. is is that yeah. that's how he wove it through but so also, that she would become impulsive and yes. overlook things and yes but also she got took that job to get the money to get her and sam out yes where she, sam was like we don't need money we'll just go there and we'll make money like it was so obvious it was just like this is doomed. Like, I think there was so much like, he's like, let's just walk away. And it's like when you watch a horror movie and you can see the yeah. whatever, like they're at the window and it's like they're behind the person. And you're just like, turn around. You know, it's that kind of, this is not going to go well. Like, even if I'd read this book first, I didn't know what happened. I'd be like, this is not going to go well. Like, there is no way you're going to pull this off. It is too big a coup against people that are too evil that, they're much older than you. They have much less ability to tap into their humanity. They're just, you're picking old, evil men. Yeah. Well, they're Do not you, even that were old. You, were you like, thrown at all when Arabin came to her uh, apartment and sort of warned her not to take the job? Were you thrown by that? Or were you like, oh, no, you're trying to throw her off the scent so she's going to want to do it more? Because he said no one ever comes out alive after trying to kill um, Farron and oh, what was the other one's name? Start with J. The other dude, Jake. Mm. No, anyway, Jara or something. I need to um, look it up, but that's okay. Like, did Jora? that through? We like, oh, hang on, maybe he does. Her. Yeah. Um, I think that it didn't throw me because I felt like that was he had that he okay. does love her. He has this part of him that is like a father, that is like a, mm. a like a, a, and also I think that he like many people are they are drawn to selena's strength and power and goodness she radiates this type of aura that just is more than other people like it's it's something unique like it's this aspect of um like a a type of higher higher self higher bit like it's like she's channel there's something in her um which in these worlds is obviously like it can be that you know they're royalty or they've got you know special powers or they've bonded to someone or they've come from a lineage or something that so she has a you know i think she's had and he knows her where she's come from so there is probably this aspect of that he he i mean and she's beautiful so there's probably this aspect that was like i would love to be with her like to be with her yeah i'm probably attracted to her but i'm also like you know, which isn't that weird at that time, I guess. It, there was much, and, you know, less age. Mm. I think he's only in his 30s. Like, oh. it's not. They make him sound so old. Like a young <laughs> they make him sound so I know, old. But I guess the 17 year old is old. And I think to live through that many years in that kind of life, it would age you. You become so much more beaten down or, or broken. Like, the parts of your humanity become beaten you know so they become locked away and i think he did go there with the intention of like he probably had a moment of she is gonna do this and she is she is going to go through insurmountable pain it's not going to be physical like she's not going to die because that's the deal they made you know but you know and also i think that if that theory is true that Sam was Arabin's illegitimate son, which is what is floating around on the TikTok kind of um, mm. waves at the moment, is that there would, I'm sure there would be part of him as a father that was like, I am sacrificing my son 
Yeah. And even if he was like, I never wanted him and he was from like yeah. someone that I, you know, I never loved his mother or, you yeah. know, I, I sacrificed for him. I had to buy him back and I lost my fortune or I've got a blood bond with someone, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sure there was multi layered reasons why he was conflicted and had that moment of like, I can't stop it. I've made the deal. I've set it all in motion, but she could stop it. And then perhaps I could talk her into staying in another way or like, you know, um, which I think on some level he probably knew by asking her, he would push her the opposite way, like push her further into it. Um, But I feel like he probably was, he felt so he needed, he was like a compulsion. He had to ask, you know, and it was probably this fleeting moment in his life where he went, I can't stop it, but she could. And yeah. and maybe that's what's better for all of us if we, if if she does leave, you know. And then he's also like, but I know her and I also know that she won't and this will probably make it worse, but there is this tiny percent chance that she may listen. Um, oh, yeah, it's so all, good. it's all bad. There's <laughs> so many like heartbreaking little yeah. moments in there that yeah. you know feel unnecessary yeah because i'm here for the happy endings and the and the and the love that lasts you know like i really i really there have been a few things that happened further on in this series that are not that really broke me um but mm-hmm. they're not what i expected would break me um and I, you get the sustaining love story that will Mm -hmm. keep you which keeps me going yeah like yeah but there are some there are some side plots that happen that are very close to the main (laughs) plot where you're just like like it's a little bit what a journey if you're just starting with this series more than sam i think okay you know like okay if you're starting the series like prepare yourself book in some therapy like make sure you've got like you've you've brought your caffeine intake down you're doing some like nature time you've got a support friend you can call no it's not that bad honestly you can message us many us. we'll support you through this come back to this podcast listen to another little dose of something funny and light and then we will dive in so we will come back and do some more deep dives into the other books in this series because as I read through them, I'll be wanting to talk, Madge, and I know you've read them, so we'll do that. Um, But let's, I mean, yeah, we could talk for hours, but let's just start to wind this up, our little tender hearts. Um, We need need a little (laughs) bit of a breather to go and, like, you know, do some curl-up rocking in the corner and and self-soothing to bring us back. But I do, in a nutshell, I do, I already sense that this was a very important book for SJM to write and bring out for this uh, series, for the fans of this series. I think it's quite remarkable to have written a whole series and then to write a prequel that ties so beautifully in and, yeah, gives enough context and background. She's very, 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 obviously a very gifted writer and very clever. But we're going to finish up with a line. Now, we always finish our episodes with a famous line or a line that we love or a line that we just think will hit our audience. And usually we make you guess. But, I mean, today this is going to obviously be from The Assassin's Blade. Um, And it's just one that, I mean, there's so many lines that hit you and 
you know, I often hear lines that other people say, I'm like, yeah, didn't really get me. But this one was where, you know, he's about to pretty much say, why don't you understand that I love you? Uh, And she is, again, just being facetious at him. And he says, she says, I don't particularly care what you think of me to him. And he says, Sam says, well, I care what you think of me. I care enough that I stayed at this disgusting party just for you. And I care enough that I'd attend a thousand more like it so I could spend a few hours with you when you aren't even looking at me or you are looking at me like I'm not worth the dirt beneath your shoes. Oh, oh. he has it bad. He really oh. loved her. And it really you know. does make her stop for a second and think finally. Anyway, page 284, that was one that just was like, oh. That's that's love. I'd even be here when you think that I'm <laughs> the dirt beneath your shoes because I freaking love you. So we'll leave you with that. Oh. Madge, go do something lovely and grounding for yourself. I am going to do that too. This is going to go have a swim in the ocean. You can have a swim in the ocean. Um, and We want to make sure you tell us. Yes, I do think definitely keep telling us what you're reading because we love to hear yeah. and um if you have time jump on and answer the polls that mm-hmm. will pop below so because we want to know what you think if you've read this book we want to know how you experienced it are you as heartbroken as us are you struggling to function mm-hmm. i mean what order did you read it in yeah i don't think i could read it again so there's certain books that i feel like i have read them once and i don't need to reread there's okay. not enough in this book that it's it's like choosing pain. That's how I feel about this book. It's like, yeah, yeah, I don't feel good today. What is the most masochistic thing I can do to myself? Oh, I'll read Assassin's Blade again. That's how I feel. Okay, let's give it some I'm not, time. So I won't be doing time. We'll see how you feel in time. <laughs> All right, love it. Hope you've enjoyed this episode and, yeah, we'll be chatting to you soon. I've loved this deep dive. Thanks, Madge. My pleasure, Carly. We'll talk again next week. See you later.